Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. It's materialism. It's the love of money. It's the desire for wealth. It's the worship of, of the comfortable life. And, and this is where we as Christians, we fall into idolatry many times because we're putting things, material things, or the things that material things can bring to us, the security and all that, we're putting that before the Lord. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Acts, chapter 19, verses 1 through 20, in a message titled, The Church, God's Outpost. Now, here's Pastor Brian. An emotional experience is not going to take you from darkness to light, and that's the transition that needs to be made. So the church is to be a place where there's a clear, intelligent presentation of the truth. Thirdly, the church as an outpost of God is to be a place where miracles are witnessed. Look at verses 11 and 12. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the disciples left them, and the evil spirits, or the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. A place where miracles are witnessed. As much as we are committed to, like I just said a moment ago, that intelligent presentation of God's truth, we don't apologize for believing in miracles. You know, some people say, well, you know, the Bible would be believable if you just took the miracles out of it. No, it wouldn't. If you took the miracles out of it, you wouldn't have anything left. But listen, the Christian faith is a faith that is based on the supernatural. It is based on the miraculous. God intervenes. A miracle is God's intervention into the natural processes. And, and that's, the Bible is full of that. And for us today, as an outpost of the kingdom, as, as people come through our doors, again, this should be a place where people sense the miraculous, where people uh, experience God's miraculous power upon their lives. I love the way Paul describes in, in his letter to the Corinthians when he's talking about the gift of prophecy happening in the church. And prophecy, of course, is speaking God's word, and in that context, it's speaking it like spontaneously, like God is, you know, giving people words, like, like right then, he's giving people words regarding their lives and their situations and, you know, direction and, and all of that. But, but Paul says this, he says, if, if the unbeliever comes in and everybody's prophesying or they sense that, man, you know, let's just say an unbeliever comes in and all of a sudden somebody is saying something that is a literal description of their life. And suddenly they realize, wait a second, what's going on here? That, that person's talking to me. And Paul says this, when that happens, that person will be convicted and they will fall on their face and they will say, God is among you. And that is what we're talking about here. There were miraculous things that were happening. Now, 
granted here, we're told that um, it, these were unusual miracles. This, this wasn't the norm, but it was miraculous. So these were unusual, but then you might say in, in a different way, there are more usual <laughs> kinds of miracles. But you know, I, I think, I was thinking about this the other day when I was praying for somebody. You know, when we pray for people, here's a question for all of us. When we pray for people, do we really believe that God hears our prayers? Do we really expect that we're asking God to do something and he's going to do it? Or do we just pray because like, well, you know, we're Christians and of course we pray, but probably nothing's going to happen because most of the time I pray, nothing really happens. Well, if nothing really happens when we pray, guess what? It's probably because we're praying without any faith. We're, we're not really believing what we're praying about. And we have to check our hearts. We have to watch out that we don't get into that place where we, it's easy to reduce everything to just the natural. And the supernatural is kind of freaky anyway. So there's a tendency at times to just say, whoa, you know, keep that. You know, that's kind of weird. Let's make sure none of that weird stuff is going on. But listen, the Bible's full of all kinds of weird stuff. That's, that's, miracles are weird. They're like, well, that doesn't happen normally. <laughs> Never seen anything like that before. So this is, this is what the church as an outpost of God is, is to look like. It's a place where there is an expectation of the supernatural. We gather together as God's people believing God is with us and God is going to speak to us and God is going to move among us and God is going to touch people's lives. And we, I think in our current time, we need to recover this because as much as I like apologetics and as much as I like argumentation and contending for the faith and giving a good answer, as much as I'm into all of that, I realize that, you know, there's a point where that breaks down. And there's a point where people need to have an encounter with God. And sometimes it can be just in that simple thing of, hey, let's pray right now and let's ask God to work with the expectation that he will. And so there were miracles that were taking place. And then fourthly, the church as an outpost of God is to be a place where the devil is seen to be defeated, where the devil is seen to be just crushed. You know, the, the scripture talks about um, the Lord will crush Satan under your feet shortly. You know, one of the things that crushes the devil is just when you see people who have come out from his prison cell, People that have come out from the bondage to sin under the, the dominion of Satan. Man, that, that just crushes the enemy. And we see it here in verses 13 through 20. Look what was happening there. So we, the story here of the uh, itinerant Jewish exorcist. They you know, call the name of Jesus over this person who had evil spirits. Uh, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches don't you love what the evil spirit says? Uh, Jesus, I know. Paul, I knew. Who, who the heck are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them. But verse 17 is where we see what happens. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus 
and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, so the word of the Lord grew and mightily prevailed. But, but notice what it says in verse 18, and many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. That's a testimony right there. And what are they telling? They're telling their story of how the power of, of the devil was broken in their lives. They're telling the story about the victory that Jesus has given to them. And we should be always hearing those kinds of stories because that, that's really what's happening. And we'll look at this as we wind down our, our study in Acts here. But, but later on, when Paul is describing to the king what Jesus commissioned him to do, he said that uh, the Lord said to him, I am sending you to deliver people from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. And so this is, again, this is what we are to be seen. The church is an outpost of the kingdom. This is a place where the work of the devil is going to be seen to be defeated. And we're going to hear stories about how people were deeply bound in sin and darkness, and yet Jesus set them free. And I love those stories. I mean, testimonies to me are one of the most amazing things. They're a constant encouragement to my own faith because I hear stories and I think, okay, there is no explanation for this apart from God. This person makes zero sense if there is no God because they should not be here. You know, kind of, kind of like that story in the Gospels, that demon-possessed man, remember he was living in the tombs, they couldn't restrain him. He broke the chains and, you know, all of that. And then he has this encounter with Jesus and Jesus delivers him from the demonic powers. And then it says that there he was, you know, he met Jesus naked and out of his mind. And then Jesus delivers him. And then it's, it describes him as he was clothed and he was sitting calmly and he was in his right mind. And, you know, sometimes that's what a testimony looks like. You're like, wow, you're clothed and you're calm and you're in your right mind, but you were a raving lunatic before because of the, the bondage of sin in your life. But this is the power of the gospel and this is what we see. And notice, um, I mean, we, we talked earlier about the influence of the occult in the city, 50,000 pieces of silver. You know, a piece of silver in, in this context was a day's wage. So 50,000, a day's wage, whatever a day's wage is, but multiply that by 50,000, uh, that's how much. I mean, these people, the, these were, you know, they, they were books or more accurately, they were scrolls, but they were information on the occult, how to get in touch with evil spirits, how to get power, how to, uh, you know, uh, do incantations, you know, that's what this was about. And they took it all and they put it in a big pile and they burned it. And they demonstrated right there that the devil was defeated. And now coming to the fifth and final point, and that'll take us into the verses that we didn't read. But 
the, the church as God's, as God's outpost is a place where people are turned away from idols to worship and serve the true and the living God. Look at, look at verses 23 through 27. It says, about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. The way is, is a reference to uh, the church, the gospel ministry. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. This is how we got rich. Moreover, you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but throughout almost all of Asia, that whole province, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this our trade, or is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worships. So what, what is the accusation against Paul? He's turned many people away from following after these gods. And he's wrecking the economy. That's basically what they're saying. This, this guy's messing up our business. You know, at times in history when what we commonly refer to as revival, when revivals happen, when there's these great outpourings of God's spirit in these, these times in history, you know what happens? It's like all kinds of business that are rooted in vice, they, they're shut down. And they're shut down, why? Because they don't have any more customers. So people get saved. And that's what was happening here. The idol business was drying up, why? Because this fellow Paul, he's telling people that these aren't real gods. And they're believing him. And so the point here is that we see that what's going to happen in these outposts is that there's going to be real transformation. Lives are going to change. There's going to be stories, yes, of victory over the devil, but not just stories. There's going to be observable change. People are going to go from being idolaters. Now, lest you think that there's no idolatry in our current culture, think again. We are a culture of idolaters. That is the underpinning of our whole culture is idolatry. And it's all kinds of things, things that we probably would not even think of at times. Uh, obvious things are sex. Sex is a huge idol in our culture. It's a massive idol. People worship at the altar of sex. They think that it's through this, you know, sexual liberation or whatever it is that they're going to find salvation. This is where they're going to find the real meaning of life. So they're, they're taking sex and they're basically putting it in the place of God. But it's not just sex. That's an easy target. But you know what it is too? It's materialism. It's materialism. It's the love of money. It's the desire for wealth. It's the you know, just the worship of, of the comfortable life. And, and this is where we as Christians, we fall into idolatry many times because we're putting things 
material things or the things that material things can bring to us, the security and all that, we're putting that before the Lord. And we're determining what we're going to do or not do for God based upon how it impacts my possessions, how it impacts my comfort, how it impacts the things that I find my security and my fulfillment in. And what the gospel does is it breaks down those idols. And, and we go from worshiping at the altar of these various things to saying, you know what? I'm going to worship the Lord. And that means different things for different people, depending on what the idol is. But in some cases, if, if the idol is my comfort, if the idol is, you know, I've, I've got this lifestyle that I have developed, and this is where my security is, then the deliverance from the idolatry is to say, you know what? This lifestyle is no longer my God. I'm going to serve the God, the living God. And even if that means that my lifestyle is going to be changed, even if it means I'm going to get rooted up out of my comfort zone, so be it. Or if it's, you know, if possessions or you know, materialism and whatever sort, or money. You know, money's a huge God. As, as Paul would say, money, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's amazing if you look behind the scenes today at how much of the, the sin and the evil in the culture is driven by the love of money. It, it's, there's places where you wouldn't even necessarily make the connection, but then you find out like, well, actually, this is what's going on behind the scenes. This is what's happening. You look at the pornography industry. You look at the, you know, the drug cartels. How, how are those people millionaires or billionaires? Because they're selling drugs. And in the end, it's all about that. It's, it's about the money. So those are the idols. The idols, whatever they are in our current culture, those are the things that are cast down. People are turned away from the idols. Now, as you look at the, the story here, as we finish up, you see that when you leave the idols, the idolaters get mad. And the, these guys, this whole gathering is basically to say, we got to deal with this Paul guy because he's messed up our business. He's telling people that these aren't really gods. He's affecting our, our uh, lifestyle, our economy, and they're dragging him into the, they want to drag him in and they want to deal with him. And that's what happens. When you turn away from the idol, those who are still cherishing the idol, they're going to they're gonna be angry at you. They're going to attack you. And when you say that these are not gods, then you're going to get attacked as well. So, you know, the more we just proclaim God's word, tell people the truth about things, uh, we might not win a popularity contest if we're doing that. But in the end, you know, we're pleasing the Lord, and that, that's what we've got to do. So... In closing, let me just quote from N.T. Wright really briefly here, just again regarding the church. He said, the church exists primarily for two closely correlated purposes, to worship God and to work for his kingdom in the world. That's what we're talking about, an outpost of God. That's what the church is. A colony of heaven. I love that picture. A colony of heaven in a country of death. A place where people can 
learn about God, a place where people can experience God, a place where skeptics can find out the the truth about God, a place where people can experience that there is something beyond the natural. There is a a supernatural world, a, a place where we can hear the stories of the defeat of the devil, a place where we can see lives transformed. What God did in Ephesus through Paul and Timothy and other believers amidst the materialism, the idolatry, the sexual impurity, and the occultism, he can and may he do today those same things through us. You see, here's the mistake that we often make. We look at, this happens with Christians, especially Christians, especially people who have been Christians for a long time. The culture is changing like at a lightning pace, right? Where one day, where, you know, not that long ago, I mean, you could be a Christian and people think you're weird maybe, but you know, that was as far as it went. But you know, for, for some voices in the culture today, being a Christian, you're automatically the enemy. And then we see the proliferation of, of sin and evil. It's just overflowing in the culture. Here's the point. A lot of times we just think, oh no, what are we going to do? And we mistakenly think this is like it never happened before. Nobody's ever been in a, in a cultural context like we're in today. Wrong. This was the world. The world we are moving into is the world the apostles went into. That was their world. There were no churches in Ephesus. It was completely given over to Artemis. It was completely given over to immorality. It was completely given over to greed. It was completely given over to all of these things. There was no church. If the apostles would have had the mentality that some Christians have today, they would have just given up. Oh, forget it. What are we going to do? Look, everything's so bad. Guess what? That's why the gospel came, because everything's so bad. That's the solution to the problem. But if we don't see ourselves as as that, if we see ourselves as kind of like a fortress, we're just going to board this place up and we're going to stay in here and we're not going to let anybody in these doors that we don't approve of, then yes, we will die. But if we recognize, no, this is what the gospel was made for. The gospel was made for these days. Because the gospel is the good news that God loves sinners and intends to save them, even the sinners that we might not think he wants to save. That's another hang-up we sometimes get. You know, I'm glad I'm saved. Uh, Those people, no way. What's happened? Well, I just forgot how desperate my own condition was. But... Again, may the Lord do through us, his church, may the Lord establish us in our thinking and in our behavior as his people that we would understand we are an outpost of God. We are behind enemy lines and we're here for sabotage. We are here to undo the work of the devil in people's lives. And we do that by the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit.
the month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. Have you ever found it difficult to receive, keep, and maintain grace? Without grace, there's constant condemnation, fear, and anxiety. In her book, A Woman's Battle for Grace, Cheryl Broderson shares how all believers can find victory in the battle against grace. Cheryl points out the enemies of grace, but she also explains how grace gives power, forgiveness, blessing, and how it will enable you to live the abundant life that Jesus promised. If you want to live a life in the freedom of the grace of God, this book provides practical instruction to help and equip you. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.